You're tuning into Majoring in the Minors Podcast. Join Mahi and Louie for the podcast you deserve, but not the one you need right now. It is what it is, but it isn't what you thought it won't be. Hello and welcome to another episode of Majoring in the Minors Podcast. As usual, we appreciate you listening to our podcast. Uh, today's guest is none other than Bucket Boy, a.k.a. Uh, Timothy, aka Tom Henderson, aka who the fuck is Tom Henderson? Tom is a an, uh, like a good friend of ours, a co-host of Multifarious Podcast, and also a prescript coach. Uh, he's a rugby boy, and overall a very swell guy. That's all I have to say. Um, I'm like really happy to call him one of my close friends. We had an amazing talk about our common interest, which is Spider-Man in general, and especially Spider-Man No Way Home. So yeah, we talked everything Marvel, uh, excited for the new Spider-Man movie. No spoilers, please, if you've watched it, hope by the time you've listened to this, or at least we won't spoil anything because we haven't seen it yet. So yeah, we end up talking about uh, movies, but as usual, conversation veers off and it goes into uncharted territories so we eventually got to talk about even uh communication and how that helps you know coaching people which is our job and we have to do that so without further ado here is uh this episode enjoy there we go so yeah my first theory is that i don't know like you've probably seen but with spider-man coming out like they keep talking to Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire. And it reminds me, like, the wording they use, they keep saying, like, we're not in Spider-Man No Way Home, right? They, they just keep saying that sentence. It's not like we're not in a Marvel movie. They keep saying we're not in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I have this feeling that, like, it's the same as, like, I don't know if you've seen Loki, but the guy who plays Kang the Conqueror or plays a deviant version of Kang the Conqueror, when they asked him, are you Kang the Conqueror? He was like, no, I'm not Kang. So he was being very specific with his wording because he was playing the Deviant, right? Like he was playing a different version. He wasn't playing Kang the Conqueror. So my theory is that the they keep saying we're not in No Way Home because they're part of Multiverse of Madness, like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So like, I feel like maybe towards the end of the movie when like, you know, there is a scene in the trailer, Doctor Strange goes, oh, they're coming through. Like, yeah. They come in, but then the movie kind of ends there. And then majority of the role will be played out in Multiverse of Madness. That's why they keep using these specific sentences of we are not in No Way Home. Or we're yeah, not in Spider-Man. I, I mean, I'm just, um, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd love for that to happen. But at the same time, I really just want them to be in this film. Because I'm just dead set on like... I'm basically dead set on one my childhood just like reliving itself through like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man because I I grew up watching those films and I've exposed myself on mine and Saluji's podcast. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I brought this up. The three-year-old me refusing to leave the house without the Spider-Man costume. Like this is just three-year-old me getting like everything you dream for coming to life again. Um, and also I just want the meme to happen with like all three Spider-Man just pointing at each other. Oh, yes. Oh, that would be great too. Yeah. But yeah, no, I see what you're where you're coming from. Like, I I don't know. It's like I personally I try not to read too much into that sort of stuff because 
Marvel just have a track record of pulling like fast ones on the audience and like exactly editing content and like making sure interviews go ha- exactly how they want them to. And they might just be like, we've used this trick saying I'm not so-and-so or I'm not in this film. And then they might just be like, all right, you're going to say this, but actually this is how it's going to play out. So, I mean, the theory is good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's it could have a lot of weight to it. But at the same time, I'm just like, I think nobody's going to know until to sit down and watch the movie on Friday night, which I cannot wait for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, hopefully, he, ho- I I hope I'm wrong, too, because, I like, as you said, and that's why I wanted to start with this conversation, because I remember that episode, like, that you guys talked about, especially your love for Spider-Man and not leaving the house. Uh, but, like, I also felt like they're going to do something, because it's Marvel, right? I feel like everything they do is calculated. Like, even they say Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland spoil stuff, I genuinely think all of that is, like, scripted like it's designed to be like that it's just to give more hype to the show yeah the first time i got excited about there potentially being um obviously more than one spider-man in this film was uh a couple of weeks ago when there's the second trailer released and you see that like the footage of uh the lizard jumping yeah yeah. and he gets punched by something that's just not or like his head just shoots off to one side as if he's been punched Like it just he's been punched by something that isn't there. So yeah. like I think it's altered footage. So maybe it might not be a Spider-Man, but it's a character that they're withholding. And also, have you seen um Venom 2? Yeah. 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 So it's like spoiler alert, but like the post-credit scene where obviously like most people are assuming what happens in that scene is the weird event is Doctor Strange casting the spell and it going wrong, as in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, and then him ending up in, as he does in the in the post-credit scene, ending up in Tom Holland's uh, universe. So mm-hmm. whether he's in it, and maybe it's not three Spider-Man, Spider-Men coming together for the film, but maybe a Spider-Man with a Venom in there, maybe. I'd lo- I mean, I just... I mean, I'd love to see Tom Hardy like really like just fully embraced into the MCU because that'd be sick. But I mean, I love him as an actor, but the one person I'm dead set on coming into the MCU is John Bernthal as the Punisher. Oof, because yes. That series, don't get me wrong, I love all the Marvel series that they've dropped on Disney Plus, but my favorite Marvel um, series to date has to be the Punisher on Netflix. Fair enough. It, you know what? He he had this line that I really liked it because I think they asked him about like if he wants to play it again. And he was like, it's not about redoing a character. It's about doing the character right. And I'm interested in doing character right. And I was like, that is badass. Like even more badass than like, yes, that, that's what I want to hear from you. It's like a complete parallel to the um, Ryan Reynolds regeneration of... Uh, Deadpool from X-Men Origins Wolverine when he's just absolutely like where the character is just absolutely butchered and then he gets the chance to actually do it right himself which I think everyone can agree is sort of has been a great success yeah and him, him and a Spider-Man team up would be awesome that would be oh yes that would be great and that, that's what I want I want slowly for Spider-Man also to break the fourth wall you know because like both Deadpool and Spider-Man do break the fourth wall as well 
and like have conversations like that. This is gonna be like I'm 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 really excited for what Marvel's doing. They're they're super fucking smart and like they're taking things. And I guess we'll find out in two, three days, right? Like when we watch the uh watch the movie and then you're like, oh my god, this happened and that happened. I need to get my tickets made. I need to get tickets as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean I booked for seven o'clock on Friday and I booked it just like a normal screening, not like an IMAX or something. Yeah, yeah, no. And it was almost like it was. I was struggling to find. Well, I was struggling to find decent seats that were two together for, um, for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, spin-off question. Like yes. Based on this, who's your favorite out of the three uh, on-screen Spider-Man cap, uh, actors? Oof. Um. Toby, because I grew up with Toby as well, obviously. <laughs> I like how we both grew up with Toby, but then there's like a slight age gap. Yeah, slight. <laughs> slight age gap. It's like, we say like eh, one or two years. It's like more than more like 12 years. But, but no, it's because like this is the thing. I think Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man. The stories weren't that great in the, the Amazing Spider-Man. Like especially Amazing Spider-Man 2 is just does not make sense at all like that movie is just like what um i like tom holland as a spider-man i think he he does well but i think he's he's i don't know he's a bit too teenagery and or tries to be i I think he fits i think out of the three he fits the expectations of a spider-man character best yeah he is the most true to how Spider-Man should be if you're like a diehard Marvel fan and read the comics, but this and like watch all the animated stuff and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's just it's almost like the nostalgia factor trumps all. It's like which one did you really embrace in your consumption of Marvel films? And in my yeah. opinion, it's just like I grew up watching the Toby Maguire. It's like the first. Toby Maguire's Spider-Man film was released the year I was born. Oof. Haha. <laughs> oh god, you're so young. But like <laughs> but also like like Spider-Man 2 was just so good. Like and it, it was groundbreaking. Like everything they did, like it's iconic. Like everything they did was iconic. Like Doc Hawk, the train scene, like no matter what you do, that train scene is just like etched into our memories, right? And you know what actually like again to spin off off of this you know what I'll be worried about is like people who grew up with like either like they've grown up with the new version of Marvel so they probably will not appreciate it so like some kids out there were gonna watch this movie and they have no idea who Tobey Maguire is or like they might not even know Andrew Garfield's storyline and then they see this and like who the hell are these kids or who who the hell are these old men now because like they'll definitely be old and like not appreciating how great like doc that's why they brought doc ock back because that movie was just like freaking amazing and like actors and and just like individual performances as this the spider-man characters themselves it's like um toby Maguire's spider-man movies had the best villains and you can't have a good superhero movie without a great villain it's like christian bell's performance as batman very very good but why is the Dark Knight regarded to be one of the best superhero movies ever made 
by many people, it's because of Heath Ledger's Joker performance. And it's just like, you need that, that relationship, that interaction, that yin yang. Yeah. You need that in a, in a good superhero movie to make it almost enticing to a viewer and to give it some like depth of character development and conflict. You can't just have like a great superhero. You can't just have the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man doing friendly neighborhood things. You can't yeah. have him helping old ladies cross the street and rescuing cats out of trees. You have to have him fighting well-developed and threatening villains, which, you know, um, I mean, you look at like how beaten up Tobey Maguire was like at the end of each film. <laughs> it's just like he went through some tough times. Yeah. In those films. Barely holding on to life. Now, speaking of that, I think it's actually like you mentioned something that's interesting to me. Have you actually read like uh, Spider-Man comics and stuff or do you look into it? Um, I haven't really looked into it that much. I think I think partly because nobody my age was really into it that much, at least from okay. where I grew up. And like I had a couple of friends who were big into Marvel films. And but even then a lot of them weren't into the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. They started watching Marvel from like Iron Man. Even some of them didn't know about the Incredible Hulk film. Oh, yeah. Um and like, don't get me wrong, you can completely skip the Eric Banner um, Hulk film. Like, that's just an, an atrocity. But the Incredible Hulk film with Edward Norton, like, a lot of people just, like, assume um, the role of Hulk started with Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, not true. But, like, the thing that you mentioned that I was going to get into is, like, I think it's Spectacular Spider-Man in the comic books, uh, where Doc Hawk what he does is like he kind of wins he transfers his subconscious into peter parker's body so doc ock becomes a new spider-man it's like a old different universe right and the story gets really good because like first he wants to be a villain and then slowly he just like learns how to be spider-man but then he becomes like this idea of you said he like he he evolves from being the uh, friendly neighborhood spider-man to like he tries to tackle more and more serious stuff like he's like no i'm not just a friendly neighborhood spider-man anymore like he he just like makes augmentations just makes spider-man better and better and better like like the way he tackles being spider-man is super interesting as a story and uh it's a really cool storyline like all the comics are really good like i sometimes if people don't want to read the comics i always like recommend like these channels like comic story and stuff like that you just pick a storyline and he breaks it down for you in like 20 minutes and tells you everything that happens into it but that's one cool thing that like happens to spectacular spider-man that like that shift in mindset of like i'm not a neighborhood anymore like a town i care i care about the entire new york or like trying to like new york sir try to like take bigger uh leaps and do more for the city yeah i think that was one thing that was actually really good about sort of tom holland's spider-man character development was the fact that he was sort of this really timid kid who was just going around in his homemade costume like helping the neighborhood and and then you see that like massive shift in um in infinity war he's literally like in space and it's like and then Aid, aiding that sort of shift is his relationship with uh, with the Iron Man, with Tony Stark, sort of helping him and giving him the sort of the right, I guess, suits and whatnot to actually allow him to take on bigger challenges. And then 
And then from that, like he takes on bigger challenges, but then you see him shift to become like a more independent hero in um, Far From Home, which I quite liked as a film. I thought it was really good. Like I thought it was, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a sucker for any Spider-Man film. Yeah. <laughs> so it's harder for me to just be like, objectively, this is good film. This is bad film when it comes to Spider-Man. Because I, I, I think regardless of what happens on Friday, unless they like kill off Tobey Maguire, because then I'll probably just start crying. But I'll probably come out of the cinema beaming from ear to ear because I've just enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Because either it can be like an amazing, like a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, or it can just be a good Spider-Man movie. Like at the end of the day, it just has to be one and like you still can enjoy it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a groundbreaking blockbuster. It just has to, yeah. it has to satisfy, you know, the nostalgia factor that will come with watching a Spider-Man, mm. especially, and I'm, I'll pray to whoever is in charge of how this plot line plays out. Just that Toby Maguire makes an appearance and stays in one piece. Yeah, um, who's your favorite villain then out of Spider-Man villain? Um, Villains. See, when I was younger, the Green Goblin really creeped me out, but like, look. <laughs> watching the films now because like i didn't always when i first watched the films i was really young like i just thought you know cool action sequences like it's spider-man who doesn't love spider-man and then like i didn't quite get the whole like norman osborne talking into a mirror and it being like norman versus the green goblin almost like in lord of the rings when like it's schmeagle versus Gollum, like talking into the um his reflection in the water i was like because i watched lord of the rings quite young as well and i was like in both of those cases i was like I'm lost. What is going on? And like, you don't pick up on like sort of how clever filmmakers can be with sort of bringing out the two sides of a character like that. But um, no, I think, yeah, I think for me, it's probably the Doc Ock, especially because I watched Spider-Man 2 like later on. So I could sort of actually like appreciate the film a bit more just for mm. as a film. Um but yeah, I'd, see, the thing that excites me is the potential of, like, there being some conflict between Spider-Man and Venom as well, like, in the future. Because, like, Venom's, like, typically, like, an anti-hero, but could also be a villain. So it'd be quite interesting to see that. But, yeah, at the moment, I'd say, like, Doc Ock. And then that's one thing that's getting me really excited about Friday is, like, Doc Ock's appearance because that's that's confirmed like that's gonna happen so oh, yeah, I yeah. really I can really get excited <laughs> about that yeah I definitely say I'm Doc Ock's character is good um I think the character development behind like the whole Osborne family like Harry and Norman in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man films as well was good to tee up like Norman being obviously the main villain as Green Goblin and then like Harry taking up the mantle mm. um in the third film but then it was kind of just let down by the fact that the third film was just a bit of a shambles yeah third film just like again it was a good arc for harry but like yeah the movie didn't work out as well which is sad but and like it brought venom but that that venom wasn't the venom that you want like venom needs its own story like there were like too many villains in one movie I think they were trying so fast to build towards Sinister Six that they wanted to like introduce more villains as soon as possible. 
uh, kind of the mistake like DC did early on. Like Marvel took a long time to start building their universe before they did like a bunch of things together because they had learned from previous like Sony mishaps. But people now just give too much to Marvel. Like, oh, Marvel are geniuses. They're like, no, they did make a lot of bad movies too. Just kind of learn from them. Uh, I'm actually excited for Green Goblin, William Defoe, because like, uh, I think it was one of the interviews and stuff like that. Jamie Foxx was saying that his character is the scariest. Like the green, the goblin is really scary in like in this. And I want him to go crazy because like goblin was like, again, like if you're a comic book fan, he was the, f- the first death of Spider-Man in comic books was done by green goblin, right? Like he finally killed uh, Peter Parker. And it was just like that. I, I think it was the amazing Spider-Man. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, that was like, that was a big hit, right? You know, when when they, like, they never kill him like that. Like they did in some Civil War stories and stuff like that. Or he got shot at least, like, sorry, not dead. But for for them to kill him completely and then bring, obviously, Miles Morales, which is another really good Spider-Man, in my opinion. And I'm kind of excited to see how Marvel brings Miles to the table as well. And hopefully maybe we get some stuff in this episode. Maybe, you know, the person who kicked... uh. Lizard. lizard was actually miles who knows plot twist well it's just like that that would be an that would be completely out of left field like you just wouldn't see that coming like yeah like, right like that would just happen everyone would be like what? okay you've teased us with like everything under the sun and then you've done the one thing nobody expected well, I definitely think he has to feature at some point not necessarily yeah. in this in this film but at some point in the mcu yeah, but imagine if that was like I was right. Toby and Andrew are in Multiverse of Madness, and then uh, Miles shows up in this in this uh, mm. movie. But yeah, can't wait, man! Can't wait. That that's ex- uh, exciting. But I'm gonna ask you this now: like all comic book characters, favorite villain, or all like comic book movies and characters, or like superhero movies and characters? Because there's always one answer, in my opinion. Heath Ledger's Joker, I think, is like most people's answer. Yeah, I mean Joker in general. I think Joker is like such a great character, like such such a great villain because there's so many good storylines. Not even like in movies, but like comic books, like the where, where Joker is just great, like is amazing. And Mark Hamill voicing Joker in that like Batman animated series is just just iconic, right? Yeah, I I don't really have much memory i know i've watched those uh animated series because yeah i just i remember watching those but i don't remember like finer details Mm -hmm. but oh i definitely need to go back over those because that's just like the one character out of those series that just stuck in my head and then watching batman dark knight whenever it was i was like it was probably about 12 13 at the time and i was just blown away by Heath Ledger's performance. Yeah, that was crazy. But that's what I mean. Like Joker in, in its concept is such a good villain that obviously, like, if you get a great actor, whoever plays him, like again, like look uh, Joker with yeah, Queen. I, I never know how to say it. something Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. You're Joaquin Phoenix. Um like every, like it, it's just such a good character, and there's so much depth to Joker, and there's so many like different sides of him that like whatever the uh, the actor kind of taps into can create a really good performance, right? Like, even though Suicide Squad got a bad rep, I still think, like, even um, Jared Leto's Joker was, like, a 
was true to 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 certain type of joker that there is out there right and now there is talk of like the guy from eternals being the new joker in the batman movie so like i think joker is just like such great uh great villain really well done uh, which, but for me it's mark hamill yeah which guy what uh richard madden the guy who played icarus not icarus no the the guy that i really liked in eternals the druid oh yeah 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 I don't know if he's actually Scottish or not, but or Irish. I don't know where he was from. He had that's bothering me now. Yeah, because um, I really liked him as Druig. I liked his the, the, like he, he was. He had just this intensity that I think would do well as a Joker. Barry Keegan. He is Irish. He's an yeah, Irish. Irish. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the bat. Yeah. He's he's officially like in the Batman. Um, so rumor has it that he's going to play the new Joker, but we'll see. Yeah, his his character name is just listed as Stanley Merkel. So I don't know whether there's a comic book iteration of the probably Joker. actual name is Stanley Merkel. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that film as well. Like, um, just I I got goosebumps watching the trailer for the Batman because um, just like coming in. Um, and interestingly enough, like just on the topic of just gen- general like media consumption, I think my journey into like listening to rock music and anything of that persuasion started with um, Nevermind by Nirvana, that album. Yeah. And then like something in the way is the track that they use for that trailer. And I was just, yeah, that that was great. And I love... A lot of the actors that they're using in that film is going to be absolutely unreal. Andy Circus, like, sir, yeah, Andy yeah. Circus, yeah, yeah. And Cedric Diggory, come on, he's playing Batman. Like, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought Cedric and Edward? I was wondering in in like in how long it would take in a, in a conversation about movies it would take for you to bring in Harry Potter. Oh. Mate, I'm going to bring it so soon because I just saw the the new trailer for the third episode of uh, Fantastic Beasts. So it's called Dumbledore's Secrets. And I just saw this trailer. I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited. See, I've never, I've never sat down to watch the Fantastic Beasts films. I put them on TV, but sort of like whilst channel hopping. But I've, mm. never, I've never actually sat down, which I sort of feel like I should. Because when I was younger, I was really into the Harry Potter films. And I used to, like, I, I was never a massive fan of reading, but I always had the audiobooks on the CD. And I used to listen to them in the car on my way to school. And, um, yeah, I was just absolutely sort of immersed in the world of Harry Potter. And then I think I sort of left it a bit late to go to um, the studio tour because by that point I was sort of really just like into Marvel films mm. and wasn't too fussed about Harry Potter anymore and then I went and don't get me wrong it was still a great day out like I really enjoyed it but I think it would have been better if I went when I was just a, a couple of years younger and was still really sort of into so, it yes just so into it mm. I just went like this year as well like I, I'm I'm still crazy about Harry Potter it's like it's one of and that's why I want more because it was one of those books that I just lost my sh- like mind over and um, I was so crazy about the books I loved the books read them so many different times that 
uh, I can't even count. I don't, every taste of Harry Potter I can get, I'm just going to experience it like that. That's it. But Not literally, though. You're not going to try and like, lick Daniel Radcliffe. Are you? Uh, you know what? You never know, mate. Like, he, <laughs> just if like, the opportunity arose, would if you? you lick him, no. But uh, I just say that Emma Watson, man. Like, why would I lick Daniel? Because he's actually Harry Potter. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, maybe... I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say lick his wand. That's so <laughs> I didn't think that through. Uh, I would lick Hedwig. I guess soundbite, soundbite. Sound yeah, sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, swiftly on. Another thing that I'm like I'm watching and I'm really excited about is the the Wheel of Time. That uh, Amazon TV show was based off the books by Robert Jordan. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Like uh, the big three, like Lord of the Rings, uh, the Book of the Sun by Gene Wolfe, and then the, the the Wheel of Time. Like these were like the big book, bad books of the. No, there is more, but like these are the favorites. And I love Wheel of Time, and I'm so excited that they've started the TV show for it. And like Amazon's pumping money into it. And it's really good of it. like they're releasing every like an episode every week, and I definitely recommend it. Mm. Might give it a watch because I'm, I'm kind of like in between binges. I'm going back over um, how I met your mother because I just oh. watched that when I was like thirteen or fourteen and jumped. Then that was just whilst it was on TV. Yeah. So I sort of just kept jumping in between episodes, whereas like now nah, I'm just got banging through them each one. Um, because I finished, so up until this year, I'd never seen The Office, which apparently was just like some sort of cardinal sin. Um, and I'd watched episodes, like don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd seen it, but I'd yeah, never yeah. like gone through it, like almost like I did with How I Met Your Mother, but to a lesser degree. And so I just binged it whilst that was probably the most productive thing I did during my first term of university, <laughs> just binged The Office. And then when I finished, I just felt like, what now because i just like it finished. life is over yeah because i i just went fully into it got fully immersed in it and loved it loved every second of it and um and yeah so i sort of just jumped into how i met your mother because there's something to do and then also eagerly anticipating every week's episode of uh hawkeye on disney plus oh yeah have you have you been up i haven't it? watched it yet like i need a um I'm too used to binge watching everything because of Netflix. So I'm just waiting for all the episodes to come out and then just like watching in one go. Because yeah. also like 17th, uh, the Witcher series coming out as well. I'm like a big Witcher fan, like both books, like go crazy over the books, the games and like now the TV show is coming out season two. So I'm really excited for it. So this like the nerd, like I'm just going to call this, like put this episode something about like, nerds winning because like the nerd in me is just so happy so many things are happening at the same time that it's just like wheel of time witcher spider-man uh harry potter coming next april like it's just it's just gonna be a great time it's gonna be a great time it's it's a great time to be a nerd it's a great time to be a comic book movie fan it's just what time to be alive i know right like I feel like sometimes like telling people off be like when I was a nerd it wasn't cool like you guys don't know what I went through I got bullied <laughs> for this crap now you guys like 
everyone's like, oh, I love Marvel, blah, blah. I was like, when we said we love Marvel, everyone laughed at us. <laughs> yeah, when you were like sat there reading your comic books. And, yeah. And people would point and laugh. But who's laughing now? Because now people wish they'd like read the comic books. Yeah. They, they like, wish they were as nerdy as we were. Like, Yeah. And now people just don't find the time to sit down and read mm. the comic books. But guess what? You've got a head start. True. I <laughs> thank you. Make me feel better about that. If anything, you're winning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was winning as well. Like I, I, I just love. Like I'm a big sucker for stories. That's why I like. Re- I, I love stories so much, and like, I, I consume a lot of fantasy, and I just read, and like, and I love the fact that my commute is like at least forty-five minutes to the to the gym. So every morning I'm just sat there with my Kindle, just like gone for a good 45 minutes on my way in and 45 minutes on my way out and it's just day in day out it's the best thing like sometimes i miss my subs for it because i'm just like so engrossed in the book i'm just like oh oh no what happened yeah i'd yeah i'm mostly so i just wish i found more time to read i feel like everyone who doesn't read says that yeah there's some people who are just like content with not doing it but I think there's just so much to be gained from it in terms of just like, I don't know whether you can attest to this, but like when I was, when I was actually like had to read at school more, I just found like my spoken English was just, I found it just so much easier to hold a conversation and just like be clearer and like get my thoughts across more concisely. And like my vocabulary was way better. But now that I've sort of stopped, don't get me wrong, I still consume a lot of somewhat intelligent media to like keep myself honest with like just staying stimulated for the best part of the day but um like i i do like throw myself into podcasts quite a bit um mm. most of them sort of fit the same theme of like they're either f- friends podcasts or um or you know sort of like the bigger like fitness podcasts like sometimes i'll dabble into mind pump and then uh, you know i'm uh i'm part of the cult that is prescript so all right <laughs> RX Radio is music to my ears when it drops every Wednesday. Hashtag no cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, t- I, I get that, man. Like, for me, I, obviously, I love, like, listening to the podcast as well and just consume it. But, like, it's been such a big part of my life, like, like reading since such a young age. Like, I was reading Jules Verne when I was, like, six. It also has, like, uh, I can't take... Uh, credit for it because my mom's like she teaches Farsi literature and grammar at university so she like our like life since I can remember it was very like all about literature we had to read books and Farsi poetry and stuff like that but the funny thing that you said is like my problem is because like obviously like I learned my English more from movies and books and everything else rather than like school so I do have like especially my written English is like I like I have like big vocabulary of i can't even say anything like my my spoken is fucked up like i know so many words but the problem is because i've read them in a book and i've read them by myself i don't know how to pronounce them so sometimes i try to like say something smart and like you know sound smart and then i just say it and pronounce it wrong and like everyone's like what what do you mean i'm just like oh this word and i don't have to spell it out for them for them for like others to understand what i'm actually saying but like, yeah, you're right. Like books teach you a lot, but sometimes it's also problematic because like they don't teach you how to pronounce it. So <laughs> I'm just sat there. I'm like, ah, oh, this thing. Yeah, they should like phonetically like 
like give you like the sound they should sound out every word for you underneath the text exactly right like they should be like press a button and it says it out loud like one of the things that i had like i didn't know until a long time until someone told me is uh i used to read leopard as leopard i don't know why it's it's to be fair it's this valid it's right, like, right. how it's spelled like that's the thing with uh, it's like the thing i completely give 100 percent 100 respect to people who try and even just like try and learn english is the fact that like there's so much stuff that's just not spelt how it should be like it's so dumb as yeah. a language and i've i've tried to learn other languages that have been that people claim are like 10 times easier <laughs> to learn than english and even i can't get my head around them so you know it's just like i completely understand i've, I've like growing up and trying to like use smart words when you're at school and then them just not working out the way you expect them to because <laughs> they're just not spelt right <laughs> it's like what what is this word but yeah i, I it's all like challenges with language are always fun i think i don't know what you think as well like you know what you said about podcasts and reading and stuff like that i think just the fact that you guys do your own podcast and we do our own podcast and i've like i've said this many a time podcasting for me is obviously having great conversations with people but it's also a way for me to practice speaking out loud like you know just getting the reps and sets done and just managing a conversation without fucking it up yeah and i think it's also quite good it's like especially going into stuff like FHT, it's almost like bridging the gap between just the normal conversation between friends and public speaking. I feel like a podcast is somewhere in the middle because it's still behind closed doors, but you still know in the back of your head that it's going out to people and it's going to be something people are going to listen to that aren't like privy to the immediate conversation. So you have to almost be like as considered as you would be while speaking open in public but there's less pressure because there's less eyes on you, at least at the time speaking. Yes. Yeah. I like about podcasts. It's like, I remember the first time I jumped up, like the first episode solution I did, and I was absolutely shitting myself because I was just like, I was excited to sit down and talk, but at the same time, I was like, people might actually listen to me speak and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> so I'm like, some people I don't know might listen or some people, who I do know, but don't really interact with that much. Like people who I care about their opinion about me might listen yeah. to this and be like, get a load of this guy. What an idiot. Yeah. It's like people go like, who the fuck is Tom Henderson? Yeah. People do that. Anyway. Yeah. People do that. Shout, uh, out, shout out Shallow. If you're listening, <laughs> uh, thanks. Hopefully. Uh, I mean, uh, calling out Shallow, actually, if he's listening, I'm going to tell him. You know what? He was going to be one of our very first guests on Measuring in the Minors. Wow. Yeah, like I did this thing because I I have this, I, like, I, I grew up with this idea of like, if you don't ask, you don't get. I truly believe in that, right? Like a lot of people are scared of asking. Like, because people are scared of hearing no. But I'm like, okay, if you say, say no, no, that's it. So while we were starting measuring in minors, I just literally randomly like emailed Shallow. I was like, mate, we've started this podcast. Nobody listens to it, but I would love to have like, you know, we would love to have you on our podcast. And then he replied back and he said, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Let's do it. I was like, oh my God. Like, and at the time, like, obviously we were just indoctrinated into the cult. So Jordan was just like this big figurehead. I was like, oh my God. 
Dr. Jolie Shalo has said that he's going to be on the podcast. It's going to be great. And we just had like, like, and then we were like, what about Killian too? Let's bring Killian. And uh, there were conflicting issues. Killian managed to come on the episode, but Shalo didn't. And since then, like, I'm, I'm, I haven't chased him up as much, but I need to chase him up again and actually get him like sit down and do an episode because he's always busy. But yeah, he was meant to be one of the like the early guests. But if I listen to like, I always I I try to do this. I go and listen to early podcasts that we recorded, and I just hate the way I speak. I just hate it. But I can learn so much from it as well because like I one of my biggest weaknesses is I go really laterally. I don't finish one topic. I just keep jumping to the next. I just like keep because I built. I try to build this like overarching storyline and image for people to just kind of get like you know kind of get immersed into it. But sometimes I realize I never finished a full sentence and I just jump from one branch to the other. And I can see that in the first early episodes. I can see it. Like I just like I try to ask a question and nobody knows what I'm saying because I just give too much context. Your brain is the MCU, just a bunch of intricate plot lines. Yeah. Finally, like, come together at one point. MCU, but multiverse as well. Like, it's just... In 10 years' time, you're going to do an episode and it will all just come together. And then you'll be like, all right, you have to preface it with, before listening to this episode, and listen to every other episode and hold in your mind all the questions you have about (laughs) questions that were unanswered. They will all be answered in this current in, in this episode, yeah. <laughs> all, all of it. Like, bring them all together. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. My brain doesn't seem to to do that sometimes, but... Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I mean, I listened back to a couple of early episodes and I was like, just I, I just got just cringed out by this, <laughs> like my own voice to begin with. And then just yeah. I was just like, almost like, what am I even going on about? Like sometimes my sentences just tail off into nothing, and that's one thing I want to get better at. But it's it's a good learning tool as well to have. It's like you can sit down and record these podcasts, and then just be like, "All right, what do I need to do to get better at?" Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it will, it will translate into like if you go up and do public speaking, exactly. You know, which for most people is like a very daunting task as it is. Um, I think everyone's anybody who says they just like find it super easy to public speak and get zero nerves they're lying because like you're going to get nerves no matter how good you are at public yeah. speaking be as good as you like don't get me wrong like it has nothing to do with how good you are at it like i had times at school where i had to do public speaking and i hated the minute leading up to it like, i was just like clammy hands butterflies going in my stomach like heart was racing i'd get up and do it come down have no recollection of that however long I was speaking and then somebody would be like oh you did a really good job and I'd be like thanks I'm gonna go like just sit in a quiet room right now and just like try and (laughs) de-stress go sit in a room and cry yeah yeah good job good job like I I get that like I for me I don't I did get the nerves as well I always wanted to do public speaking right like I would just I I have this thing I'm again sometimes I say I'm lucky enough that like the voices in your head that prevent you from doing stuff, my voices in my head encourage me to do them, right? So, like, I would always love to do public, and that's why, like, with, like, FHDs and everything else, I like to be in front of people and just talk, right? Uh, and I think I'm 
okay at it but i know like my weakness is that as i said like sometimes i just go too deep into like i things that make sense to me but nobody else like outside of my brain doesn't understand it so that's one thing that i have to work on is just like being clear enough with the messaging like finishing these like storylines and plot holes before going to the next one like that that's one thing that i have to work on i mean yeah, go on. You know what you need to work on. So and that's that's a blessing in itself. It's like the people who don't progress don't don't see their weaknesses. Yeah. It's like you see a weakness, you make it a strength. Exactly. And that's why like I, I picked this from uh Saluji. I don't know if he did it because he was lazy or something, but like once when I was listening to your podcast, he just went like uh, yeah this is going to be unedited like it's not going to be like he's just gonna like raw right and the idea of raw podcasts really like resonated with me because as you said like even though we're just sat in a room and there's no pressure for us like we can just talk and like maybe if something dies down like in the background i could just cut that part out and there's like if there's a big pause and stuff like that i've just kind of gone against that i'm just like i'm trying to like i'm like all right i'm not gonna edit the episode so there is no safety net try to be as engaging as possible because this is going on this is this is it like you're not going to make any alterations to it so like now now what bro now what are you going to say now how are you how are you going to carry on the conversation yeah and i think with that as well it challenges then like if you can do it in this setting with someone you're like you know you're familiar you're comfortable like speaking to them like sure you may not on a regular basis hold down a conversation for an hour at a time but even then like that translates into all right let's let's take it into like the scope of coaching for example when you're trying to talk to a potential client and hold a conversation and actually engage with them and get them to engage with like you can engage with them as much as you want but whether they start to engage with you is another thing and you need to be be able to hold them there and make sure that they essentially pick up what you're putting down and they want to that hopefully the end goal is they they take you on as their coach um and to be able to do that is a skill in itself Mm -hmm. and so like there's direct transferability of being able to just keep a conversation going be able to fill those gaps where you think maybe something's about to die down and just get it going again and i've and yeah i really like doing the unedited podcast because also it then makes me one obviously continue the conversation but two also think on the spot because then you don't have time to be like hmm all right it's died down i've got a second to gather my thoughts and then go it's like you need to be responsive reactive and just keep things ticking along yeah yeah one 100 and also like you even learn sometimes if a conversation has to die down let it die down but have something else to like pick it up like look at us we went from spider-man mcu comic books and now we're just talking a lot about like uh language learn you know use of language and how it transfers into like conversations so, uh, or coaching sorry some things like some conversations did die down but yeah. we managed to just carry it on so like and that's a skill in itself right yeah. and racking your brain over and over again be like what am i gonna say next and also i feel like if a conversation really holds value it like even if it dies down it stimulates another conversation yeah that's like the thing it hasn't died down and we've completely gone 180 it's been like oh we've talked about this oh that's now got me thinking about this yeah how we continue the conversation it's just conversation like 
conversation stimulates more conversation opens up like so many doors so see my brain now goes to parkour, <laughs> parkour oof and now it goes to like uh therapy because like one thing that i heard was really good was like uh we heal through talking to people about things that we didn't even know bothered us right like just as you said like conversation begets conversation like some forms of open therapy is just like you just talk you just talk and like it's you nudge it like well the therapist nudges it here and there but like at the end of the day it's it's an open conversation and your subconscious just wants to find or talk about the things that is bothering it inside and it just eventually brings it to the surface so that's another way of like looking at it as well yeah definitely i think yeah, I mean, therapy is a bit deep to go from Spider-Man to therapy. But <laughs> yeah, when it's, it's a very valid, you know, it's a very valid point you are making. Like, it is, I feel like, yeah, regardless of the topic of conversation, you're always going to steer it towards something that you want to talk about. Like, you might not necessarily, like, I could go up to someone and start talking about a Spider-Man movie and they could take it in a completely different direction, but it's based off something I said that stimulated them to want to say something else. Mm-hmm um which is quite interesting also sorry this just popped into my head a second ago because i saw you scratch your um long and marvelous beard um how are the finger tats healing up are they are they all right still itchy oh uh yeah no they're fine they were really dry uh because like especially in the gym like i you realize these small things right once you get like tattoos and things like that like i realized that i would hold the the, like the, t- the tissues or like the clean towels in one my left hand and I would spray it with my right hand which is something that you never pay attention to but then I had to start paying attention to because the like the chemicals started getting my hands really dry so I always like my hands were dry but I hadn't paid attention to it but now that I have like you know the, these tattoos I have to take care of them <laughs> I have to be even conscious of how, how which way I'm spraying so now I had to like hold the the blue towel in my right hand and spray it with the left hand uh, which was like it's super interesting like small things that i used to do that i never thought about especially when the tattoo was healing i had to like just readjust them and you never realize you're doing these things like i would i didn't realize that like when i'm moving the like uh, the benches around i pull the plug with my left hand all the time and i just kind of pull it with like the back of my hand so now I have a tattoo there. I can't hold it there anymore, like change things. Uh, but that's not necessarily the answer you asked for. But yeah, it stopped itching because I'm now more conscious of it and I had to like moisturize it and take care of it. And it's uh, pretty much recovered. It's like, there's a little bit of scabs left here and there, but yeah. It's interesting how like fairly small and intricate tattoos just like purely by the fact of where they're placed can become like such a, almost like such an inconvenience because you're constantly having to stop yourself and like readjust yeah it's almost like training around an injury it's like you go and do one thing you could be able to do before and then you're like oh this doesn't work got to think around it but um yeah i mean i've got all this to look forward to when i get tattoos but um as far as my mom's aware i'm never gonna get any Uh, yeah she doesn't need to hear to this yeah she doesn't need to listen to this podcast yeah, she doesn't listen to podcasts anyway. Um, there we go. Sweet. She doesn't even listen to my podcast. Mine is Luigi's podcast. Like this. I don't know, dude. Uh, that's that's family for you. But um, I was gonna ask 
before we bring this to an end. What would you? What would be your first uh, tattoo, and where would it be? Like, have you thought about that? Um, see, I've got like a couple of small, fun, dumb ideas that I want to get. Yeah, but I don't know whether I'd, I'd give them enough like importance to be my first tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one uh, musician and a band that I really like, and he does tattoo. He does tattoos as well. He's a tattoo artist. He's got two shops in London. And um, I won't go too much into like the music side of things, but I had a bit of a, a wobbly patch in 2019. Um, I listened to a lot of his music through that patch. Felt like it helped me. I met him later that year as well, um, which was a really cool experience. Um, and yeah, I'd just love to go and get tattooed by him. And I think I'd give him like some sort of creative freedom. Just be like, we could just like sit down and do like a consult and just be like talk through ideas and I'd give him some sort of creative freedom. Um, and I'd probably like give it a decent size space. So I'd probably do like thigh sort of mid to upper thigh with that. Cause then it's, I could still like cover it with shorts if like it really offended my mum that much, but, yeah. but it'd still be big enough that, and like if I wore like gym shorts that it could still be visible. Cause I still want to like, because like the ho- like who gets tattoos to cover them up? Like realistically, you want them to be visible. So for like the most part, like yeah. if you get them on an in, in like on like somewhere that would normally be covered up by clothes, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to cover up a tattoo that I could otherwise show off. Yeah, yeah, I get uh, that. So yeah, it'd probably be like I don't know. I want to get a um, I want to get a chili tattooed on me. That's spicy <laughs> written underneath because um. Cause that's like the Stoltman's whole thing, the Stoltman brothers. And I just love Strongman. Um, so if I get that, I'll get yeah, that just like a small, like one on my calf. Cause I, I know sort of like the locations of tattoos that I want, but I don't yeah. know exactly what I want yet. So like I want forearm pieces when my calf's done, I'll get decent size one on my thigh. And then I feel like torso ones will just happen. Like if I want them to happen at the time, like if I see like something I like, and I'm like, yeah, that would look great there. But I mean, this is all. So, like, I could change my mind by the next time I want to get a tattoo. But I'm hoping, ideally, I'd get, you know, that fairly sentimental tattoo on my leg at some point. But I doubt that will actually be my first one because that would be like a big job and fairly expensive. Whereas, like, I'd probably go something smaller so I could self-fund it and then be like, this is the first tattoo, first of many, and then just be able to <laughs> save up and then get a bigger one because um. Yeah, I'm thinking about maybe getting one when I go over to Canada in Easter. Because mm-hmm. um, I know someone over there. Oh. In- I have a mutual connection. Mutual connection. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Our cousin, cousin is a tattoo artist over there and he's done a couple of her pieces. So, yeah. Um, and I like the look of his work. So. Sick. Yeah. yeah. Definitely uh, might get in touch. That doesn't make sense. I definitely might get in touch. Definitely will get <laughs> might get a tattoo. Might get a tattoo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if I can say like like I would I, I like the idea of like you don't want you want the sentimental one, but like maybe don't get the sentimental first because like that fucked with my head so much, right? Like my this tat like the tattoo on my forearm is just like sentimental sentimental value ten thousand, right? So since I got that, I just could not like I wanted more tattoos and for a while I just could not decide what I wanted because like 
first I was like, okay, maybe something I like or maybe something that still has a meaning for me. But like it just I couldn't find anything as meaningful at all. So I was like, okay, now I'm just gonna go for whatever's cool. Like and that mindset shift, like it took a while to get it. Cause like before that I wanted tattoos that it kind of meant something. But then I was like, no, I have like the most meaningful thing on my arm. There's nothing else I really care about. Like I just I just felt like there's nothing else I care about. So that was like not in a bad way it was like fuck everything but uh that just meant so much to me that's so i can understand like maybe like the sentimental one at first will make it might make decisions harder in the future yeah because i feel like if you attach so much like meaning and importance to a tattoo that and then it being your first one it's almost like a gatekeeper for like the rest of them it's yeah like, it doesn't live up to like the same sentimental value or like it doesn't quite mean as much so is it worth getting exactly want this on my body but i feel like if you can just go for a couple that if you plan on getting a few if you can get a couple in like that you just think look cool and then like yeah like you said further down the line just be like this one has a bit more sentimental value so it's worth getting because then it also makes that decision making about getting that tattoo a lot easier because then it can be like this is so much more important than the others it has to happen whereas yeah. like and then from there it's just free reign it's just like get covered head to toe just do it just do it just go for it whoever's listening to this if you're worried about t- getting tattooed just get it who cares yeah just don't tell people that we told you that yeah um this is not medical advice is that something is, people yeah script still say? <laughs> this is not medical advice this is not a cult uh this is just measuring in the minors. Bam! Segue. Close Bam. it. Oof, love that. But yeah, with that, we're just going to end it there. Uh, thank you for listening.